series. I'm your host, Crystal. With me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. We are going to read through all our email queue. We have a lot of emails. We have been blessed with many emails. Yes, including some that are of size. Yes. The ones of size have been summarized somewhat thanks to Monica's efforts. I tried my best. Because I figure, you know, if somebody read about a a thousand words on here, they would die and listeners would fall asleep and unsubscribe. (laughs) Unsubscribe right before the final episode. Yes. Right as they're falling asleep, their their nose will hit unsubscribe. On whatever their podcast app is. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The first email comes in from Deadweight. Hi, Midorians. I have a theory on Termina that I think Crystal in particular will enjoy. Mm. The three of you have spoken of several ideas regarding how the Lost Woods connects Hyrule to Termina, and here's my take on it. The planet is full of giant tunnels, and the tunnels are the Lost Woods. If you follow the Earth tunnels long enough, they come out on other parts of the world. Termina is just on the other side of the planet, and Hyrule was in just as much danger from the Skull Kid's moon shenanigans. In the future, people will all use the Lost Woods tunnel systems to visit different parts of the globe. What are your thoughts on a series of giant forest tunnels inside the Earth? P.S. You should read the postscript. <laughs> postscript. I am so sorry, Cameron. It's amazing. He started frowning as soon as the word tunnels um, was read out. I wasn't reading ahead. I was just listening to Crystal read it. That is a great frown. What's wrong with tunnels? This is kind of like the... Crystal, have you seen um, Kong? Well, no, Kong it's Skull more like... Island. Yes, Kong Skull Island, but then also Godzilla, Godzilla King, King of, of the, the Monsters. Monsters. I have not seen either of those films. Okay, one of them's fun. The other one's real bad. Both of them deal with hollow earth theory. Oh... And that different parts of the world are connected by underground tunnels. And in King of the Monsters, they're basically teleporters. It was a theory and then it was validated. In- yeah, it's a theory in Kong. And it was really funny. Ha 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 ha. And then it's a real thing in King of the Monsters. That's a, that's a good cinematic universe pull. Mm, is it though? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, whatever. Obviously, it's absurd because the Earth is flat, but it's, it's a fun science fiction movie. <laughs> How do you feel about the multiple Earths flat Earth theory, the giant ice ball? The giant ice ball? Multiple. You don't know Earths. the giant ice ball? No, this is new to me. Okay. Good. I'm glad that we got... Okay, I'm guessing this is why Deadweight apologized to me, or else they follow me on Twitter and know how much I hated King of the Monsters. <laughs> Both are possible. It's kind of like Gears of War, where there are tunnels all throughout the planets of Sarah. 
Yes, Gears of War is another Hollow Earth thing. Yes. Oh, well, if Deadweight, if you sent this in just to hurt me, uh, mission accomplished. I've taken damage. My HP went down. So what do we think about this theory? I mean, the Lost Woods, how big are they, really? Do we ever have concrete information on that? We never are given concrete information about it, except that it connects to multiple places on what seems to be multiple continents. Hmm. It definitely and- exists in the kingdom in Spirit Treks. Mm-hmm. And it definitely seems to fringe Termina. And it definitely... It, is there a Lost Woods in either Labrina or Holodrum? I don't know. The Lost Woods is one of the most consistent parts of the setting, more consistent than Hyrule itself. Lost Woods are in Holodrum, yes. Hmm. Okay, so the question... like. My reading of the Lost Woods is that it's essentially like a magically trans-dimensional place where you can walk between worlds or continents or whatever you please by walking through the Lost Woods. Because the Lost Woods is basically everywhere. It is the forest. I'm not signing on to the idea that it's a Hollow Earth thing. <laughs> it would be hard to explain, like, the the cloned people in Termina. If it's not an alternate universe? If it's not an alternate universe. So if you look at the map of Ocarina of Time, the Lost Woods do extend out to the edge of the mountains that surround Hyrule. The most forbidden of sciences. The We also, you know, when you are in the Lost Woods, you see the sky at least some of the time. That's true. And you don't see, like, rock at, uh, in the sky. Right. I will accept that there's tunnels... Only insofar as Link fell down a giant one in in Majora's Mask. Well, you'll, and, s- you'll see the sky and the moon. Yeah, this ties back into my idea that the moon is itself a self-contained reality. Hmm. It's a reality within a reality. It's a, a one lost wood. It has one lost wood tree. It does have one tree. It's one tree of the lost wood. No! <laughs> but no, I... I Crystal, how do you feel about this hollow earth idea for the planet on which Hyrule takes place? Hmm. I do love hollow earth theory, but I don't think there's much to suggest that the Lost Woods go under... Well, no, they do, because you fall into Termina, so they do go underground. So I guess this is right. No! (laughs) No, goddammit, I'm not putting this in the timeline! We don't have to put it in the timeline. Oh, God, do you want me to write a dissenting opinion for no, you? No, it doesn't seem to go in the timeline so much. I have to, There is actually going to be a section where I explain what the Lost Woods is. Oh. Like, I have to, to make certain parts of the timeline make sense. Look, we don't, we don't need to subscribe to this. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's a, a good theory. It's a fun theory. It's a fun theory that has shortened my lifespan. Thanks, I don't Deadly. think Termina's on the other side of the planet. <laughs> no, probably not. No. The constellations are totally off, too, I guess. The moon's also different. Hyrule's moon ain't got a face. True. But do you think the the face came on because of Majora? Majora didn't actually get on the moon until it was nearly making landfall. I know, but caused it. I don't know. Maybe. Nobody seemed to to remark on the fact that the moon has a face. No. They're just like, oh, it looks awful big, doesn't it? Anyway, thank you, Deadweight, for killing me. For helping me to shuffle off this mortal coil. They probably think it's creepy that the moon in Hyrule doesn't have a face. 
<laughs> It'd be like seeing a person without a face. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, if you if you grew up and the moon had a face, you wouldn't think it, it was weird. People from Terminus show up in Hyrule, look up at the night sky and go, nah, fuck that. I'm going back. No, thank you. <laughs> it's creepy. Where to next, Crystal? Um, let's read Jason's email about pink hair. Titled, All Links Have Pink Hair Because I Have Rose-Colored Glasses. Oh, that's a good title for an email. Hey guys, sorry to hear you're coming to an end, but I had to get in one more email to discuss the Link's Awakening link. It is my belief that the Link to the Past link must be the same as Link's Awakening link. The story of the original Link's Awakening explicitly stated that Link goes on a journey after defeating Ganon to hone his skills in case evil returned to the land. This could only realistically be after A Link to the Past or Legend of Zelda Link, unless we are retconning because the other games weren't written yet. Link's Awakening artwork must closely, most closely matches A Link to the Past, and therefore he is probably the same Link. Please note that we just assume that other sequels are the same Link. Majora's Mask Link could potentially take place after Twilight Princess, with another separate Link who just so happens to be given the Ocarina of Time by his childhood friend Zelda. This would explain why that Link doesn't remember the Song of Time, for example. I like the timeline where it's Link to the Past, Oracles, and Link's Awakening. I really feel nostalgic for that Link, and I've never played Oracle, so it just makes sense to me that he never knew Zelda before in Oracles. Unless, of course, the Oracle Zelda is actually the avatar of Hylia, which is why Link doesn't recognize her, and why it is still Zelda. Hot damn, I think I just broke the Link list. I'm looking forward to whatever you do next. You guys are like a mega team. I would still love a unifying theory of Final Fantasy from you guys, especially since it probably shouldn't be done. A Final Fantasy unified theory. That'd be very fun. Isn't Final Fantasy XIV kind of doing that? I, I guess, yeah. Or Dissidia already did it. Right, there's Dissidia. Um, uh, seven's a sequel to ten. <laughs> uh, didn't Nimura say that? It's Shit, I don't know. I've read the theory, but... I don't know for Renoa is Ultimisha. Uh, Renoa is Ultimisha. Um, tactics, tactics, and and twelve. Evilise. Yep. Yeah, I mean eleven. It's hard. Yeah, we would have to do a whole podcast about it. Crystal, do you want to do a podcast about Final Fantasy? I've only played one. Okay, that's a problem. That uh-huh. would that would be that's a, that, that that's a, that's a show that's what you call a showstopper, and then it's stopping the show. <laughs> Now, the Oracle's placement we have settled on, the one that has the least conflicts, is that Oracle's is completely different Link. Same Link as Link's Awakening, and it's all after A Link to the Past. That is what we decided on, yes. And one of the reasons is because that Link doesn't have pink hair. That is one of them. That's one of them, and also, as Jason mentioned, Link, uh, the Zelda in Oracle's does not recognize Link. I would like to put out there that um, I'm going to quote a particular line that Jason wrote here. This could only realistically be after A Link to the Past or Legend of Zelda unless we are retconning because the other games weren't written yet. Now, to be very clear, we are retconning. Yes. Because when Link's Awakening was released, it was very clearly meant to be a sequel to Link to the Past. Yeah. If we were doing this show back in the year 2000 or 1998, then yeah, absolutely. 
the link to the past would come after uh, come before Link's Awakening. But the Oracle games being released has created wrinkles and problems. And they kind of retconned it on their own. We're just kind of going along with it. It's what Nintendo does. Like the imprisoning war, they keep on trying to make it and then they keep on changing what it is. So it's not something that is like fans are, you know, making their, their retconning unilaterally. It's it's um Nintendo's on the part doing of Nintendo it. as well. Yeah. It it's not something that we would do without thinking about it, and it's not something that we do except that later entries in the series are very much leaning in that direction. In the context in which it was released, yes, Link's Awakening was absolutely a sequel to Link to the Past. And you could still refer to it as a sequel since it was released directly thereafter and deals with a lot of the same systems and a lot of the same themes. But chronologically speaking, it no longer strictly belongs in that spot. Thank you for your email. We can unstar the Invisible Boss one. Yeah, it's been done. They wanted to make sure you... Knew about the invisible boss. Right, I know. Which one next, Crystal? Let's take uh, Justin Carson's. Okay. Uh, shall I read this one? Mm-hmm. I was playing through Breath of the Wild after viewing the new trailer, and I noticed something when I completed some shrines. When the guardian of the shrine gives you a spirit orb, their body dissipates into a bluish-green light. Does this color of light look similar to the arm that was holding dry Ganon in place to anyone else than me? Keep up the good work, and I love the podcast. Justin followed up with an addendum. To add on to this question, what do we think of the Zonai as a male factor of the Gerudo? This separation could explain the Y-chromosome ban in Gerudo Town. It can help tie in that picture of the red-haired hero that appears in the mural. Apologies for my disorganized stream of thought. Justin. Hmm... Those are two very different ideas. Color of light. I think that it's actually just more strictly blue than the light that feeds into the arm. I think so. I agree. If the light was similar, that would imply that the monks are cast the spell that held down Ganon. It doesn't seem to be the case, though, because the spell that's holding down Ganon is in Gerudo writing. Yes. Well, it's in Gerudo-ish writing. Gerudo, it, it's in something that very much resembles the Gerudo alphabet, enough that people have been able to translate it in certain frames. It's certainly not Sheikah writing. No, it's not. And the arm that is in Ganon's chest is wearing what we have reason to believe is Zonai jewelry. Mm-hmm. So there does seem to be some kind of link between the Zonai and the Gerudo, even if the only concrete part of that link is that they were both involved in the sealing of Ganon. Now, the main issue with the Zonai being a male offshoot of the Gerudo is that according to Ocarina of Time, a male Gerudo is only born once every hundred years. There's also another problem. Mm-hmm. Um, how do... How would a tribe of nothing but men reproduce? Uh, well, obviously, they build new babies out of the sand, like the Gerudo. Oh, I see. They would... Like the Gerudo and Ocarina of Time go to Hyrule Castle Town to find girlfriends. And then come back and like, what? No, they, no. They find the way of the warrior and come out. I it, don't know. It's a cool idea that I've seen floated around sometimes. And I think actually we might have floated it in the Slack chat for the Book of Medora at some point. But I don't know if it really holds up under scrutiny. And I kind of like the idea that there are also women among the Zonai who were th- among those 
in the armies that fought against Ganondorf when the tribe died out. Yeah. And also, how would... I guess this would make Ganondorf Zonai instead of Grudo under this theory? It would. Like, how do you... But he's the king of the Grudo. We don't know anything about that in Breath of the Wild. What are you talking about? I, I mean... I assume this would carry over to Ocarina of Time. It is worth noting that Ganondorf is wearing Gerudo jewelry, not Zonai jewelry. Very true. The Zonai imagery is actually closest to Deku's. To the Deku scrubs? Yeah, because their they're swirls kind of like the, the swirl on the Deku shield. Oh, yeah. And they live in the jungle. Yeah. Oh, so what if... Because the Deku shield is painted by the Kokiri, what if... Okay, mm-hmm. this is not a real theory. I'm okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on the table where everybody can see it because I know at least one of you is going to appreciate it being there. What if the Zonai are the Kokiri who left the forest? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And the ones who stayed behind became the Koroks, and the ones who left grew up into the Zonai who worship the image of the hero. Right, their their hero Link. I. I really thought that you were going to say the Deku scrubs became the Zonai. No. There's, in uh, Cadence of Hyrule, there is a secret character. Who's a Deku scrub. Who's a Deku scrub. They can't really attack. They have one attack. Yeah. And they can bury themselves, and that's it. That's it. And I guess they are sort of prominent in Four Swords Adventures, too. Kind of. I mean, they've never been more prominent than in Majora's Mask. Hmm. The Zonai being the Kokiri makes sense because that would happen on the adult timeline. Uh-huh. Which means their ruins would be relatively well-preserved under the ocean. Right. And once the timelines merge, they would obviously appear in their appropriate location. Sure. I'm not actually, like, advocating for this theory, to be clear. Well, no, because if, if, if the last hero was a Zonai... And the Zonai must have been an a, an active community. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the imagery is similar. It's hard to shake that. It is true. The Zonai are shrouded in mystery, and we can't really know much about them. And we only suspect that we'll learn more in the sequel. It's not a concrete thing. I'm curious to see what pans out. Yeah. We can it- listen back to this and other things and laugh. Or go like, hey, we had our heads pointed in the right direction. What if they were just Deku? What if they were just like little scrubs? Yeah, well, no, well, they they grew, they got bigger, but, but they were like, like still wood people. Oh, wood people! That'd be really cool. Like, oh, just like really big, beefy Koroks. I I was just pic- picturing Deku scrubs with like the barbarian outfit. Yes. <laughs> So we do not have flesh and bone of our own, so we will wear that of our enemies. How good would it be if after untold ages of Hyrule struggling against Ganondorf, the Dekus are the ones who figured it out? And the answer was hit Ganon really hard with your super strong body. Yes. Okay, that would be pretty good, I have to admit. That would be good. That's a... That's a possibility space that I hadn't considered, but I like it. We don't know what the Zonai look like. We're, we've been assuming they're human-like, but they don't have to be. That's true. They don't have to be, but they could be. It could be the Deku. We'll find out, though. Or not. Very possibly not. Maybe we won't find out what that arms deal is. 
It's We're just going to find out what the arms deal. The is. arm was the toilet ghost from Skyward Sword come back to preserve the world. Yeah. Yeah, toilet hand. They did the Deku Butler sun spell on Ganon. And now he's a tree? He might as well be. He looks very similar. If he wasn't a tree, we wouldn't be able to tell. He's about that wasted away. His skin might well be made of wood. Thank you for the email, Justin. (laughs) Thank you for the email, Justin. And the green light and this series of thoughts. Charlotte writes in, Hi, everyone. I was just wondering if you all had any thoughts on the fact that in Breath of the Wild, the Zora, Gorons, and Gerudo are all in the historical homelands of Lake Helia, Death Mountain, and Gerudo Desert. Yet the Rido do not live on Death Mountain slash Dragon Roost anymore. Did the Gorons forcefully displace the Rido? Was there a purchase? Did the Rido never live on Death Mountain in this timeline? Why doesn't Toon Link have a sword beam and smash? <laughs> Sincerely, Charlotte. Thanks, Charlotte. That's, that's, uh... The reason Toon Link doesn't have a sword beam in Smash is because Toon Link doesn't have a sword beam in Wind Waker. And that's the version of the character that it's based on. Seems about right. Um, I'm so glad they have three links. It, are you? Why is that? Because it's what I wanted. I was like, man, I wish they would just bring back everyone, even young Link and Pichu. And then they did. It happened. You got your wish. I got what I wanted. It's the ultimate Smash game for Crystal. Everyone is here. Crystal, what do you make of this question? It is interesting. What, the Rito are a lot different than they are portrayed in Wind Waker. Yes, they're not. They are not in Death Mountain. They don't work. They don't have Din's orb. Not really associated with Din at all. They can all fly from a very young age, and their their birds are not just humans with beaks. They don't need the blessing of the dragon. Oh, right. They don't actually fly either. They can only glide on updrafts unless you're Rivali and you remember the secret of flight. Hmm. Okay, let me let me slide this by you. What if they're unrelated peoples? Okay. And the high the high people of High Rule call them both Rito, but they're not but really they're unrelated. There's an example of this. What's an example of this in real life? This has happened. Oh, oh, Lordy. Um, I'm sure that you're right and that this has happened, but I cannot think of any particular examples off the top of my head. Is this is this like how um, different species have developed eyes independently? Oh, what's that called? Is it parallel evolution? Convergent evolution. Convergent evolution. I'm sorry. Um, let me slide this by all. <laughs> uh there are two distinct versions of the Rito, so to speak. Now, if we ask why aren't the Rito like they were in Wind Waker, why don't they live on Death Mountain, for example, I think from there a better question would be where did the Zora come from? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. in the Rito timeline, Wind Waker, all the Zora became Rito. Mm, Not yeah. some of them. This wasn't a case of actual divergent evolution where some Zora took on a different form and some of them started to fly. All the Zora that we're aware of became the Rito. The The world merged. Right. But what I'm getting at uh-huh. is that the people that Valu made into the Rito were not the actual Rito to start with. They mm-hmm. were made in the image of the real Rito who perhaps had an older kingdom ruled over by bird monarchs. Oh, this is a Skyward Sword theory. Yeah, and that the Rito mostly lived in the timeline of the curse, and we just never see them. 
Because they're birds. They can migrate wherever they want. So by this theory, um, the Gorons had scattered during Wind Waker. And the Zora move in because they need, like, land. Right. And then they're converted to Rito. But then after everything mostly sorts itself out, the Zora, the Rito turn back into Zora. Yeah. And then the Gorons move back onto Death Mountain. Yeah. And the Rito... They just come back. Well, here's another question regarding the Zora. Why did they turn evil in the Link Between Worlds? I mean, not all of them did. This is another convergent evolution thing, right? I, I mean, the the Zora Queen has all this talk of River ver- Zora versus Ocean Zora, but that just sounds like some classist bullshit to me. <laughs> or racist. It sounds more like those people from over there, they aren't really people, you know? You can't trust them. Maybe it's just like, you know, African elephants and Asian elephants. It's like, they're different species, but we both call them elephants. Maybe. Or we could accept that A Link Between Worlds is very silly. But the the Hyrule and Breath of the Wild, do you assume that that is the Old Kingdom? No, I don't. I don't know what happened to the Old Kingdom at this point in the timeline. Wait, we have to clarify Old Kingdom. The Old Kingdom is where Spirit Tracks takes place. So everybody moves over, or at least Tetra and her pirates move to the the Old Kingdom. There may be a completely separate civilization living on that other continent. And then they move back. No, I'm saying they could still be there. And when the time And when the timelines come together, you've just got two separate versions of the kingdom on two separate continents. Otherwise, yes, I think that they probably abandoned it when the sea receded. Because they don't think of the old kingdom, their ancestral home, as being their real home. They think of Hyrule as their home. Hmm. The royal family has done far more ill-advised things than that, than moving back to where Ganon is. Ganon is anywhere he wants to be. Maybe the Rito were always around in the other timelines outside of the borders of Hyrule before Hyrule annexed Hebra. Yeah, very possibly. Do you think the Forgotten Temple, which has Loftwing uh, statues in Hebra, is maybe a Rito thing? Wait, the Forgotten Temple? Yeah. It's the one one with a giant statue, but... I don't remember Loftwings. Are, are you talking... Yeah, it is in the Hebrew Mountains. Um, I don't remember the Loftwings either. Mm. We are now zooming in. Uh, the, the statues outside of them are largely broken and hard to parse from screenshots. But I guess you could theoretically read those as being like shoebills with manes. Hmm. Yeah, they kind of look like a big loft wing face with, like, an Egyptian headdress. I almost want to say that they look more like headdresses themselves, as if they were... I still think this is Zonai imagery. The Forgotten Temple's interesting, isn't it? It because is interesting. why would Guardians be there? What killed all of them so hard? What if the Forgotten Temple is the Fire Sanctuary? Ooh. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. At, oh. Yeah, because the fire, the, fire, the fire sanctuary from Skyward Sword is also in a canyon. Mm-hmm. Crystal, that that actually makes pretty good sense. Mm-hmm. I like that. 
Which um, which dungeon in Skyward Sword was it with the bird? The fire sanctuary. It was, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I like the idea that it's the fire sanctuary, and I do also like the idea that the uh, Rito were mostly living just off screen in at least one timeline, but they are one of the actual indigenous peoples of Hyrule, possibly. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, they've been around just as long as the Zora have. They're not one of the five races of the surface. That's true. They didn't participate in the war against Demise. But then neither did the Zora, and we know that the Zora predate that war, too. Why didn't the Fire Sanctuary people participate in the war against Demise? I've got to think that they fl- they either fled or they were wiped out in the war, and they aren't remembered in the legends. Hmm. They were wiped out in the conflict with Maladus. No, that doesn't make sense. Because the Fire Sanctuary is definitely connected to Hyrule's whole thing. Yes, absolutely. Got Din's flame in there. Yes, it was definitely used as a place to guard the flame. It's built around it, even. There's that big puzzle for it. I don't know. I don't know, but I do like the idea that it's the same place. And that the Rito have been around. Um, I think, Charlotte, that it's very possible that at least from the perspective of limited time, the Rito are more or less living in their ancestral homeland. Maybe the Fire Sanctuary was only ever on the edge of the Rito territory, and like they were also just outside of the map zone in Skyward Sword. That could work. Because Skyward Sword takes place in a relatively small portion of the land that would become Hyrule. At least as I understand it. Yeah. Either way, definitely, Dragon Roost is not... Dragon Roost is Valu adopting the Zora. Yes. Because not- Jabu Jabu said, I like humans more now. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically. Abandoned by their god. Jabu Jabu killed over and died, and then Jabun was like, well, I'm not making that mistake. Chandler writes in, are the Windfish and Vadi somehow related? <laughs> the Windfish and Vadi are related in that they are both wind-themed, ostensibly, but that doesn't really relate to them thematically in any way. We do get hints through the Windfish's nightmares that the Windfish might be afraid of Vadi. That's true. the final form of uh, the Windfish's nightmare, Deathel or Death Eye, depending on how you read it, Seems to be based on Vadi's fully transformed monstrous self. Yes. With our retconning reading of the series that we often do. But that could also be derived from Link's memories. I do not think that the Wind Mage and the Wind Fish ever actually met each other. Um, the Wind Fish and Vati in name only. Well, <laughs> Sure. What's the rest of that? Vati and name only, for it is neither. Yes. What? <laughs> for they are neither. Sure. That made more sense in my head. Chandler, I think that the answer here is probably no. I don't want to be definitive about it, because I don't like to be definitive a lot of the time. I use real talk around language from time to time. But I don't think so. Nintendo loves windy things. Oh, yeah. Wind waker, wind fish, wind mage, wind sage. Wind Temple, there's wind. They like 
wind almost as much as they like thyme. Apparently, Oof. the encyclopedia does note that the windfish is able to control the winds, and that's how it flies, I guess. Sure. That, no. <laughs> Why not? It's magic. It does also identify itself as the windfish. It does, though yeah. Though it is not a fish. I think it's aware of that, because it does, its dream does generate that message, windfish in name only, for it is neither. It's such a mm-hmm. good line. And it's a it's a really interesting way to look at yourself because the windfish uh, clearly has some degree of imposter syndrome about its place in the world. <laughs> what strange dreams gods have. Yeah. We've made a decent dent. We have. Vanti's English name be, may be a reference to the Wind Dukes of Aqua from Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, piss off. Who are known as the Vati. And live on the elemental plane of air and use wind magic. God damn it. His uh, Japanese name is Gufu. Gufu. <laughs> okay, what does Gufu mean? I don't know. All right, fair enough. I don't know Japanese. You know what? That's fair, and I shouldn't put that on you. If I knew Japanese, I would be busy smuggling in doujinshi. Yeah. Half price books. All them good doujins. Translating porn for desperate buyers. You know, you know what? Have I told you this? That I went to the Half Price Books the other day and found like pristine quality Evangelion Dojinshi in the foreign language section. No? Yeah. No, you actually haven't mentioned that. Can you? I mean, you kind of just told the whole story, but like, go on. Well, it's apparently worth some amount of money, but like, it was enough where like, man, I could flip this and make like 15 bucks profit. I, but then I have to check out with this Evangelion pornography. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking like Monica and I worked in bookstores for several years, and I'm just wondering what the ordering process for that would have been like. Like, who was their distributor? Oh, that must have been fascinating. I think someone, someone just you know sold it to them. I would love to talk to the management there about the process that led to that. It's a used book, right? Used bookstore. Yeah, it's a, it's a half price books. Oh, okay. So somebody came in and they sold their uh, uh, Evangelion porn. Right, but I mean, this is the kind of stuff where it's like you would only be able to get this like at a table at a convention in Japan. Ah, uh, oh, they were giving away part of their history then. Yes, I think a relative might have done it. Um, yes, maybe. <laughs> oh no, this and story's getting worse. That's making more and more sense. Like, think of you know, mom or dad with the box of books that you know they don't care about, and some of them are you know actual ones sold in North America, and some of them are not, and and they just dump them there. And it's like take them. Um, Crystal, are you familiar with the webcomic Barbarous? I am not. Okay. Um. Barbarous is sort of a – it's almost like an urban fantasy kind of webcomic. It's relatively popular. Uh, the main character is a human woman and the – hold on. I'll pull this up. I'm just going to link you to the Google image search page for the other main character who is called Leeds. And let's see. He's kind of like a really hot monster guy who's like super monstrous from the neck up, but from mm-hmm. the neck down, he's just like a hot guy with digitigrade legs. I see. 
Anyway, so it's a pretty popular webcomic, but while the author was over in Japan, she actually found Dojin of her work. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah, she liked to have lost her fucking mind. That that's, seems like it'd be very flattering. Uh, it's, it's the surest sign that you've really made it, I guess. Because I don't think this webcomic is actually, like, officially translated into Japanese, though I guess it could be. Maybe maybe she also does that. I don't know. I should look into that before saying ignorant shit. At the half at this half price books I was at, I was specifically looking for some volumes of Cantarella, a Japanese manga about Cesare Borgia. And in the foreword to that, the author talks about how she went to an an to an anime convention in America in two thousand one, like four years before this would be translated into English officially. And she was shocked to see a bunch of cosplayers at, of of her characters. That must have that must have been quite the moment. Yes, man. Inter- seeing fans create work out of the things that you make must be fascinating. And weird. Yes. What were we talking about? Emails. The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> I don't know. Where to next, Crystal? Faust writes in Twilight Princess Zaylink. Oh, lordy, lordy. Hey, longtime Christian Link Stan, first time emailer. Fuck. So this may be less of a question or even a theory, really, more of a straw grasping fanfic. But while I'm generally kind of met on Zaylink Twilight Princess, while I'm generally kind of met on Zaylink, comma, Twilight Princess is one of the exceptions, <laughs> due to a dynamic I think you've slightly overlooked. To put it bluntly, they're each other's rebound after their mutual girlfriend leaves to be go to go be monarch of the shadows. Seriously though, you go through this thing and the person who helped you through it, this wonderful gremlin lady, leaves. And you get it. You get sidelining your own happiness for others, but it still sucks. And there's this other person who gets it. They have the same quiet sadness or the same feral joy as this person. And so you connect. Is it a healthy foundation for a relationship? No. Though maybe if they made a real effort, they could make it work. Is it an interesting dynamic? I sure think so, at least. Side note, I've never played a single Legend of Zelda game for more than 20 minutes while I was child-aged. So if any of this is blatantly antithetical to canon, that'd be why. I love your show a whole lot. Thanks for making it. Aw, thanks, Fess. Thank you. Monica, what do you think of this? Uh, anything to support Z-Link, I guess. <laughs> this is a way better reading of the potential lead-in for their relationship than anything that's actually like made explicit in the yeah, game. Yeah, I'm itself. fine. I'm good with that. There's yeah, some I mean, traces of that in what I like about Twilight Princess Z-Link, so... You were yeah, saying, you know, not 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 every ship needs to be. They were they were all childhood friends, always destined to be together. Sometimes they're rebounds. <laughs> not not that, but the the only other person that really understands is you know each other. I I I I think that this is a very strong lead in to a fanfic shipping scenario, and I think that this is probably the strongest read of this character pairing. Twilight Princess-wise than I've read anywhere else. Like, good job on that one, Faust. You just, like, spiked it. That was good. I like that ship. That, okay, Z-Link is an okay ship in Twilight Princess if you read it this way, but it's still not as good as Midna and Link. It's just not. Well, this presupposes Mid-Link. I know it does. That's one of the things. But it can... It, 
it presupposes it in a way that Z Link can only be in Mid Link's shadow, so to speak, because it's Twily. Okay, good. Good. Madame that, Tish. That took Monica a second. I do think that they would probably end up just like hanging out with each other and being like, man, Midna sure was cool. Instead of getting all romantic with each other. But I can't say that too many times in a row because of who I live with. So I'll just leave that there. It's okay. It's okay so long as other people can hear you talking to me. She's very confused. Boy, that that shipping list that we made was a fucking mess. I'm sorry. I mean, Why is that? We were all part of it. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to relitigate this. I'm not going to. The list is concrete. It's in Google Docs. It's in Google Docs. There's or no Google Sheets. There's no going back on it. You can't yeah. change Google Docs. You can't. They're just uneditable. Someone else pick one. Okay. So, let's see. I'll read Shakal's email. Different view on Teba. Hello, cast. I had a very different view of Teba than that expressed during the Breath of the Wild, Gorin, and Rito episode. As each of the descendants had a major personality trait that is flipped from the champion, shy versus enthusiastic, mother versus child, strong versus weak, I saw Rivali's primary interpersonal trait being his overconfidence. He seemed almost offended that the higher champions were even asked to help, much less that he wasn't the one leading the force. It wouldn't surprise me if he thought he could handle Ganon single-winged. Well, I mean, he kind of actually says that. Teba is the Rito descendant, but I saw this flipping of trait being from overconfidence to resolve. The Rito in general have reacted to the calamity, and especially the danger of Va Meadow, with grudging acceptance. They can no longer fly high, but they just accepted this is how things are going to be. Teba, however, is unwilling to accept this. He is a protector of his people, and Meadow is attacking his people and their way of life. The Elder calls him impulsive, but I feel that this is a mischaracterization, an attempt to explain why Teba is acting while the rest of the Rito are not. Teba is resolved to take the fight to Meadow, even though he's failed before, even though the last attempt led to the injury of his friend, even though he doesn't actually disagree with the Elder and his wife about his chances. But this is a fight that must be fought, regardless of the cost or outcome. Teba did not go to the target range to prepare weapons, confident he could take Meadow down alone. Teba went there mentally prepare for a fight, quite unlike Rivali. He knew he would not win. Teba was preparing himself to die. Oh. That's a good read of that character. I like that theory. That is good. That's a good read. I'm not even going to call it a theory. It's a reading. Hmm. I do like the whole observation, like, mother versus child Shy versus... I would say reserved versus going out... Versus outgoing for Mifa and Sidon. I guess. No, she's definitely shy. Uh, you know, I'm not going to litigate the way that Chakal describes this, but like... Would you say that Rivali is overconfidence and Tiba is uh, opposite? <laughs> um, I think that, that doesn't make for a very clear dichotomy. And... I would want to tinker with it before I signed off on it if we're presenting them as contrasting forces. Maybe not so much overconfidence versus resolve as it is two different views of what informs their duty. And that Rivali will do something because he believes that he is the one who can do it. Teba will do something not because he believes he can do it, but because it needs to be done. 
even if he knows he will fail. I would say, it's, go ahead. Go on. Um, I would say it's almost like actions speak louder than words, and then words speaking louder than actions. Oh. You were saying, Crystal? Yeah, Rivali talks too much, and Teba's very taciturn. Oh, okay. So, Rivali speaks loudly, and Teba carries a big stick. Yeah. Sure. But, yeah, buying into this reading of the character is good, I think. Again, this is a very good basis on which to form a narrative around the character that I think is more engaging than a lot of people will experience when they play Breath of the Wild for themselves. The thing about Teba is you're done with him about as quickly as you meet him. Yeah, that he doesn't get much time. He doesn't get much of anything. Yeah. In fact, I think you talk to his wife more than you talk to him. Does he have a kid? He sure does. Yeah, he does. Family man versus lonely bachelor. Also true. <laughs> Which is another thing that can inform the different way that they view duty. But yeah, that's a good reading, Shakal. Thank you. Monica, you pick an email. Let's do the list email. I will read it out. Oh, boy. I have pruned a couple of ones that we did actually do during the list episode. Scroll down. List time by Leah. Hi, Book of Medora. Leah here, and I hope I'm not too late with some lists. Okay. Um, the ones I've chosen out of these are favorite link tunics. Are we all about those Ocarina of Time tights? Or the chainmail of Twilight Princess? Or the bare leg stylings of the original games? Do I do you want to read? No, let's finish it. Okay. Best alternate Link forms. He's been a bunny, a Zora, a wolf. Time to rank Link Sonas. Though I'm not sure how many episodes are left for the podcast, I may as well ask a final question here. Sage Game in this series is one take on The Legend of Zelda. The games with direct sequels are combined, counted as one legend. For example, Zelda 1 and 2 would be a whole story. If you were to tell The Legend of Zelda to your descendants, which version of the story would you go with? As always, thank you so much for the entertainment you provide with this podcast. Be well, Leah. List time. You want to do a list? How do you feel about that, Crystal, doing two quick lists? Yeah, let's do a list. I'm looking for the list doc. <laughs> so the lists. There, I got it. Bit.ly slash Zelda lists for the listener. Uh, number one tunic with a bullet for me has got to be Ocarina. Are we going to limit this to just tunics, or can we include other outfits that aren't necessarily tunics? Hmm. Let's say standard Link outfits. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm. So we can include the champion's tunic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's 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 try to do a top five, I guess. Shall we just toss some out, uh, our favorites? Okay, so we've got the Ocarina of Time. I'll throw the champion's tunic in there. Uh, the Skyward Sword tunic. Wind Waker tunic. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, Lobster shirt. Does that count? I don't think it no. counts. Oh, okay. It's not a default look. Okay. It's not an advertising look, uh, rather. How about uh, the Twilight Princess look? He's got chainmail in there. That's kind of cool. Not love Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword look. Okay, I guess we don't need both since they're pretty similar, and I'll go for Skyward Sword over Twilight Princess. Do we count the, the rupee tunic in Twilight Princess? It's not really rupee tunic. It's armor, and it's not the default look, which okay. is what Crystal 
went with. Um, how do we feel about, like Leah points out, uh, some of the pantsless versions? Ugh. I think Zelda 2 is not pantsless. He has uh, brown leggings, and that's the best one of the classics. Okay. Okay. So let's go with those then. Um, the Oracle's one's interesting because it has white leggings and brown shirt. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a more modern take on the older style in a way. It's Link, the bottom of Link's tunic also kind of flares out more in that one, right? So, w- w- which ones have we got here? Um, my top five in no order would be probably Ocarina, Zelda Two, Oracles, Wind Waker, Champions. Monica wants to put Skyward Sword on there. Yeah, so we have to. Okay, let me let me list out six: Ocarina, Oracles. Adventure, Tune, Skyward, and uh, what's Champion. the other Champion. Okay, so which one do you all think we should cut? Oracles. Ooh, I don't know or about adventure, that. Or Adventure, I guess. I, I, I would throw in, I would say Adventure myself. I can agree with that. Okay, we can cut Adventure. I mean, we've kind of already cut Twilight Princess. Okay, uh, let's play style. What's better, Champion or Skyward? Uh, champion. Yeah, yeah. Monica doesn't like doing that because she loves the classic <laughs> it, Link it's look. It's hit right to the... Like, she, like, Skyward is maybe her favorite Link if she doesn't think about Ocarina of Time for more than 45 seconds. I really like the design, and it, I really like the, the chain mail underneath. Yeah, it's got real trousers and everything. No, I, I don't want to agree. There are trousers, so... I don't love the champion's tunic. Oh, piss. Okay, so Skyward, then. I would vote for Skyward over champions. Well, y'all outvoted me. Again. What's better, Tune or Skyward? Skyward. I gotta go Tune. Cam? I mean, I like the look of Wind Waker in general, but just as a tunic, no, I don't think that... Wind Waker's, like, Toon is not the best look. I'll give it to Skyward instead. Okay. What's better, Toon or Champions? Champion. Champion. Oh, man. Wow. What an upset. The green, <laughs> the green arms are good. They are. Yes. It's a good tunic, but I, you have to keep in mind, if any of these get low enough to face off against the Champion's tunic, I'm voting for it because it's my favorite Link default look. What's better, Oracles or Champion? Champion. Champion. What's better, Oracles or Tune? Oracles. 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 Okay. Oh, shit. Hashtag first video game crush coming in. Oh, no. What's better, Ocarina or Champion? Just in terms of the the tunic, I'll go with Champion. Well, you have to keep in mind that it's not just the fact of the tunic it is also like the entire outfit it's the look that they no, have. i know the look just in terms of the look i prefer the champion i cannot believe you said that the white the white is so good the like the the pleating on the bottom of the tunic is good i love the little x's like the um on the blouse boots are good the leggings are very good like he has worn very good he the hasn't worn great he hasn't worn straight up tights since Motherfucker's going to the gym. You're going to show off them gams. But I would, I'd go with champion, I guess. Cameron, what's your vote? It's champion. It's my favorite one. Oh man, what's better, 
oracles or ocarina ocarina yeah i'll give it to ocarina this this list is fucked up skyward's <laughs> on top why is it on top because you two voted for Skyward Sword over Champions, and I just voted Champions every time. I think it's the order that they were presented to us affected the list. Yeah. But that's the way of... That's what happens in Let's Plays. Yeah. Is, are any of us happy with Skyward at number one? Yeah. No. Monica is. <laughs> I mean, look, we don't have to Let's Place this. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. Just super honest. Let's Place is a bad system. Oh, oh. damn. Yeah. Okay, let's reorganize. Okay. <laughs> You know what, how about we each make our five lists, and then we just synthesize them? Sure, okay. I'm going to make my list. I'm going to make my list in my brain meat. My list was just what was there. Really? Yeah. You mean you got everything you wanted? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, well, that makes it easier. Oracles. Two. Skyward. Cameron, what's your list? It would go Champions, Ocarina, Skyward, Oracle's Tune. Okay. And, and how do we do this? We're just oh, going they, to- They each have points, so- oh. oh, I see. Oh, this is going to be a voting thing now. It's like a- So Skyward has, uh, let's see. So five, it's a five for first place. Yes, and two, so seven, three, it's ten. Okay, not bad, not bad. Uh, champion has four, one, and five, so also ten. <laughs> Strong. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I have some ties. Uh, Ocarina has three, <laughs> five, and four, oh. so twelve. Uh, Oracles has two, four, and two, so okay, eight. Two has one, three, and one. So five. five. Okay. So o- Ocarina is by consensus the top one. Okay. Because it's in second place, first place, and third place. Mm-hmm. How, do How do we, we break ch- the tie between Champion and Skyward? I mean, the way that Crystal set this up doesn't it make sense just to vote? Okay. Do we do we all agree that this is an okay way to make a list? Yeah. Crystal, tell me how you're feeling about the list. I'm much happier with this list. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm voting for the champion's tunic. Monica? I mean... Skyward. It's Ooh. right in her list. In fact, you didn't even have to ask. We yeah. could just compare it. Wait, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, oh, right. We could just compare it. Oh, Sky- oh, yeah. Yeah. I put Skyward above champion. So, okay. Champion goes in the, the middle. Sure. Whatever. Top five Tunics, Ocarina Skyward Champion, Oracle's Tune. Yay. I, I like that system a little bit better than Let's Plays. It's more satisfying. It takes it, longer. You get to put your whole feelings out there. It's a way to score, which is a good way to vote. Okay. So, so number five is Tune, Tunic. Number no, it's been read. F- I know, but I just want to read it again. Okay. Number four is the Oracle's Tunic. Number three is the Champion Tunic, which is wrong. It should be number one. Number two is the Skyward Sword Tunic. And number one is the Ocarina Tunic. Now, Transformations is made fucking complicated by Majora's Mask. No, they all count. Everything counts? Yeah, you should just count them separately. Do we count Minda as part of Wolf Link? No. No, it's just Wolf Link. Okay. So Wolf, uh, Bunny... 
Goran, Zora, Deku. Mm. Demon. Demon. Deity. Yeah, the great, the fierce god. Oni, Link. Oni. That just made me, like, feel intensely um, hot. Wow, that took us, that, yeah, I felt it a little bit too. That, That shot a little bit. Like a direct dopamine injection right into my brain, and I thought that it was twenty years ago. So we have six. What are we missing? Wolf. Hmm. Oh, missing? fairy. Fa- fairy Link. Okay. From Adventure of Link. Trying to remember any other ones. Does Link disguise himself as a subrosion at one point, or is that? No, he dances with the subrosions, but I think that's about it. Or he stealths around, I guess, without getting spotted. That's not the same thing as no, a transformation, no. though. And we're not counting the outfits in Triforce Heroes. No, no the the Oracle, the, you do get rings that can turn you into an Octorok, a Moblin, a Like-Like, a Subrosion, or ah. original Legend of Zelda Link. I'm right. Okay, um, I do want to put Link Link on there. Just for the sake of doing it. And Subrosion Link is fine. I don't know about any of the others, though. Oh, you can also be transformed into a baby. Oh. A baby? Yeah, an infant. Let me let me link you the sprite here. Oh, my God. Fujibayashi's the one who's into age regression. Uh-huh. So, oh, shit. I cannot believe that we figured... Oh, he has a little pacifier <laughs> that's a sword. I don't remember this. Fujibayashi, why are you the one? What's Link Link? That's uh, turning you into the NES Link. Oh. Oh. As opposed to Like Link, which is Link Like Like. That, no. Does that count as a trans... Oh, okay. <laughs> link Link from Oracles. I mean, you could put in uh, the Like Link if you like. Uh, he doesn't look... He doesn't have Link characteristics enough. Okay, so let's all come up with our top... Also one. painting. Do we have any more? I'm mm, I think that's it. Oh, yeah, painting link. That counts. Shit, that's a good one. Okay, uh, shall we all make our own top five? Yeah, okay. Let's see. Um... I've got my five. I've got my five. I've got my five. Okay. My top five in order. Zora, Fairy, Goron, Deku, Wolf. Monica? Starting from the top, Bunny, Fairy, Deku, Baby, Wolf. Cameron? And mine starting from the top, Oni, Wolf, Bunny, Goron, Zora. Some pretty big variants here. Yeah. Zora shows, uh, Wolf shows up in all of them. That second wolf is a Goron. (laughs) Wait, Bunny, Goron, Zora? Yeah. Okay. I chose mine based on how fun it is to traverse the world while transformed. And Zora has good swimming. Fairy can fly over everything. The Goron, you can roll good. Deku, you can you can jump out the flower good. And Wolf can hit the guys good. Mine was mostly based on the fact of like that Majora's Mask episode that we had that got me thinking about what the mask of the fierce deity represents. 
And then I really like Wolf Link because it facilitates his relationship with Midna. And Bunny Link is just like, you're never really made that helpless in such a dangerous environment. And then Gorn Link and Zora Link are fun to run around as. Um, I chose mine because I love that Link intrinsically is a bunny in Link to the Past. I find it really fun that he can turn into a fairy. And I don't know, the three I just kind of pulled. <laughs> Baby Link is very fun. Baby Link looks fun. I'm very surprised by it. Um, I liked playing as the Deku, though. I know, you know, actually, I could go for Zora instead of Wolf. Because I really okay. enjoyed swimming, too. Crystal, you've convinced me. Okay, Zora shows up in every list. Wolf shows up in every list. Well, it did. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it did. Sorry. problem is, we don't have a five consensus that's no, but- true, but let's just see what comes out with the most points. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Zora, five plus one plus one is seven. That's true. I can do math. Fairy, four plus four is eight. Yeah. Wow. Goron, three, and a two is five. That's a decent showing for how split this list is. Deku is two. Damn, only two. No, it's three. also three on Monica's list. Oh, yes. So it's a five. This is shaping up pretty good. Wolf has one and four. So also five. I'm oh, I'm, I'm seeing a problem. Bunny is five and plus three is eight. Uh, Zora. We did Zora. The Oni has a five. Link Link has zero. <laughs> Baby is two. Painting is zero. Let's order these. Okay. So, um, if we want to do it consistently with how we did the last one, we would go with which consistently outranks the others. Bunny outranks Fairy. Yes. Um, two of us ranked Bunny ahead of Fairy, and one of us ranked Fairy ahead of Bunny. So, I would say that Bunny should be the number one, and Fairy should be the number two. Bunny should be number one. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. Would you prefer to just have a vote between them? It should end up the same way, right? Wait, so I rank fairy over bunny. Monica ranked bunny over fairy. Cameron ranked bunny over fairy. Okay, that makes sense. I'm sorry that we couldn't put fairy link at the top now. If I had thought that it would come to this, maybe I would have voted differently. You still have time. No, I mean, like, they're in there now if we're being consistent. So our top five in order are bunny, fairy, Zora, wolf, and oni. Wait, that's not true, because Wolf and Wolf, Oni and Goron died, <laughs> and also Deku. And wow. also Deku. Okay, let's take a look. Okay, let's figure this out. Um, okay, so both of you ranked Deku over Wolf, for sure. So that knocks out Wolf. Uh, well, it at least puts Deku above Wolf. Uh, Oni wasn't ranked by either of you, so it's not here. Uh, Goron was ranked... Ahead of Deku by two people. So Gorin. So I think it goes Gorin, then Deku. Yes. Okay. So accordingly, our top five are Bunny, Fairy, Zora, Goron, and Deku. Hey, all of the main Majora's Mask ones. I can sign off on this list. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a good list. That's My top ones didn't make it onto the list, but I feel pretty satisfied with how this one looks. Me too. Good job. Good job. <laughs> we did it. That went pretty smoothly. Yeah. All told. Um, if you were to tell the Legend of Zelda to your descendants, which version of the story would you go with? 
Oh, that'd be Skyward Sword. Is is there a reason you pick Skyward Sword over the others? Well, it has the best story. Hmm. 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 Well, that's not true. It has the best self-contained story. I gotta think about it, you know? But connected stories count by Leah's uh Direct question. sequels. Direct sequels. Only direct sequels, though. So you're only looking at, like, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Well, I would, like, Ocarina of Time oh, and Oh, and you're Waker. saying Wind Waker counts. So basically there's a through line for yeah. the entire child timeline. Or, sorry, well, adult Twilight timeline. Princess also counts. They're not direct sequels, though. Uh, but if, Wind Waker is a it like, is directly not, it is mentioned. Ocarina of Time is clearly in there. It's a chronological mm. sequel, but it's not a direct uh, sequel in the same way that Phantom Hourglass is a sequel to Wind Waker. Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are are equally sequels to Ocarina. Oh Lord God. <laughs> this is a hard question, Leah. I think that the spirit of this question is a lot closer to what Crystal first engaged with, where it's like, take a chunk of the series, not too big, usually only one or two games, and pick that as the version. Maybe Ocarina. Oh. Maybe Ocarina. Monica is having problems over here. Um, I would I would go with Skyward Sword, only it doesn't even have Ganondorf, so. Yeah, Ganon's not in that. That's hard. I'm really surprised you didn't instantly say Ocarina. I, I, it's going to be Ocarina for that reason. Okay. Um, I'll actually say Skyward Sword myself. Really? But I expect this answer to change once the sequel to Breath of the Wild comes out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I think it would change all of our answers probably. Because once that game comes out, I expect this shit to get juicy. I really thought you would say Breath of the Wild. I wanted to say Breath of the Wild, but it, it's like the sequel's almost out, and it does deal- I like a lot of Breath of the Wild. Damn it. What's the legend that is the most of Zelda? <laughs> I think that's- it's either Skyward Sword, um, Spirit Tracks, or Breath of the Wild. I would say Skyward Sword. Yeah, with, with the, the Hylia thing. You're a big-time movie producer. You get to highlight one Zelda adaptation. Oh fuck! I mean, if you could, this is the, the only one you're gonna get. I came of age on Ocarina of Time. <laughs> That's not a fair question to ask me because of That's the one you're gonna do. Like, if you if you wanted to pick like the eponymous Zelda story that represented the entire franchise, the one that set the tone for the entire thing for. Almost 20 years, which one do you pick? Because we just outlined there are about 35 sequels to Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Yeah, you can make that a two-parter even. Yeah, you could. It'd be super cool, too. Yeah. What a twist. Breath of the Wild, though. <laughs> I The thing about Zelda games and when they have, whenever they ask about turning them into movies is they're perfectly fine their ideal is in the game format oh yes absolutely 100 percent. but i think that you could do really interesting things with breath of the wild as a movie if it's presented non-chronologically so sort of the memento no why does memento keep coming up on this podcast sort of like beyond two souls no No, never invoke David Cage on this podcast for a Zelda comparison. You're regretting mixing the memento thing. Oh, it's memento now. (laughs) 
You know what? I'll just adapt. No, actually, Skyward Sword would be pretty good to adapt. But I'll change it so that the villain isn't Demise, it's Ganon. I knew you were going to say that. Because, How? Because How could I th- you know? Because I thought the same thing. Okay. I think that's a I think that's a reasonable change to make. You tell the origin story of Ganon back in the way before. Yes. Done. I watched The Dark Knight the other day. Oh, lordy While lordy, I was how was falling asleep? Oh no, how is that? Hmm. <laughs> do, do you like how there's like fear toxins in the water? No, that's that's uh that's uh that's Batman Begins. Oh God. Okay. You know the the Dark Knight is the the Heath Ledger Joker. The, oh. The pacing of it is really fast. Yeah. And the way I kind of enjoyed. Yeah. It's also like, man, you better be paying attention to this movie. You know, a lot happens. It feels like the older I get, the more vaguely fash that entire series of Batman movies feels. Oh yes, extreme. Yes. Okay. The other thing I was about is that like Joker never loses even a little bit in that movie at any point. No, he's too cool. He's too cool to lose. He's he's very good at crime. No, he was he was wrong. No, but like about the the fairy thing. Yeah, he kind of like ah, not everyone killed each other. Ah, he was wrong in principle, the strongest kind of wrong. Yeah, I don't have a, a moment where I go remember when. Because then I was thinking about the third one, and I was going to say, remember when all the police got locked up in the sewers? Like, all of oh. the police. <laughs> the third one's the best one. Oh, I thought the third one was the most fash. You can make that argument, certainly. The actual, like, triumphant win of the entire movie is when the heavily armed police come out and beat up a bunch of rioters. The, the moment I remember most of that movie is when the insurrectionary uh, anarchist Catwoman, oh, when God. all of the homeless people have moved into someone's house, she picks up like a cracked photograph of a family. It's like, this was someone's home. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you remember when the Pittsburgh Steelers fucking died? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh right. Oh man, Bane's such a good one. Uh, do you do you remember when Bane is killed from off screen by Catwoman with a motorcycle mounted bazooka, and she manages to like get this giant, super loud motorcycle ten feet away from everyone without anyone noticing that she's there? Yeah, I love it. It's it's a sequence that makes that movie worth watching. And that ending. My God. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. What good flick. Yeah. Uh, Yes, good. I think it's your time to pick a crystal. I'm sorry. Crystal, it's your turn to pick an email. Okay. Hmm. Nick writes in, Hi, guys. My name is Nick, and I've been listening to your podcast for about two months now. And I just want to say thank you for rekindling my love of the series. I haven't played all the games, but I did just finish all of Breath of the Wild. Now, I don't know all the lore behind the Triforce, and truly this isn't really a question or a theory, but rather something that would be cool if true. Wouldn't it be neat if the empty space in the middle of the Triforce were metaphoric for Impa or the Sheikah? Impa seems to be the only recurring character central to the plotline that plays a similar role in each game, besides the sages, but their names change. 
Obviously, she's not in every game, and there are games where the Sheikah are gone completely, but it'd be kind of cool to think that the servants of Hilia are somehow represented in the Triforce. Also, the thing that draws me more to Breath of the Wild than previous games is the reoccurring theme of failure. The theme of failure isn't new to the series, but this is the first one I've played that Link has actually already failed before the game starts, and so has Zelda. It really creates an air of dire and tragic circumstances that isn't as reinforced in previous games. It's really cool that the whole game is a comeback redemption arc for our heroes, and part of it is avenging your fallen friends. Do you think that will be something we see in later games? Thanks, Nick. I think that the sequel to Breath of the Wild is very much going to lean into the same thing, correcting the failures of the past. Not necessarily the personal failings of Link and Zelda, though, because they've mostly... They've overcome that. Right. But the failures of the past and that being dealt with is actually a pretty common theme in the Aonuma and Fujibayashi eras of Zelda development. Like, at least since Wind Waker, we've been dealing with the failures of our fathers. You can even construe that in Twilight Princess. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, there's no question. I, I do think that there's going to be quite a lot of making up for failures, just not really personal ones like Breath of the Wild. So I, in the future, we could get something like that, but I also have a feeling it might be a one and done. What do you think of that, Crystal? Hmm. Well, they did fail again because they set Ganon free. That, oh, yeah. If you do the failure, that's a big <laughs> deal, isn't it? Oopsie doopsie. They made a little fucky-wucky. You remember this one, too. Yeah, you do. You don't have to be reminded by looking up at a statue of a dead girl. Yeah, okay, that could get fucked up fast. Do you think that Ganon was freed by them in that trailer? Or is it something that was just happening and they happened to show up for it? You know what? I bet they blame themselves either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my shit. Let's go. What about the first part of the question? I like the space between... The Triforce pieces representing the fact of them being brought together. And however you want to frame that works for me. I like the to... Sh- Go ahead. The Sheikah are the Tetraforce. <laughs> I thought the Tetraforce was style. That's true, it is style. <laughs> well, the Sheikah are also very stylish. They are probably the most stylish. Uh, I like the center representing... I like the idea of the center being a segment that uh, recognizes the people, which would include the Sheikah, but would not be specific to the Sheikah. It is both for and, you know, the kingdom is protected by those people. Link and Zelda do not act alone. Um, a lot of the time they act alone, but there's they have help along the way. I don't think that's what the center part's about, though. We have three very differing... Just super different... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pick a letter now. Okay. That letter was sent in to us by one Rob Million, and its subject line is Leave Rome Alone. We had originally featured the the joke portion of this, but the entire email we had uh, passed by because it's- It is- 900 and some words, Well, we're not going to be that specific in the actual edited file- we ended up passing by it because it's sizable enough, and it seems like we didn't really want to have an argument with a reader who can't talk back to us in the middle of it, but hell, we'll give it a shot. 
Now, Monica has shortened this down, but she has not edited anything that Rob said. She's left everything in his own words. I think I've caught the spirit of it, although the two of you may want to read the parts I cut, just so you understand the full arguments. I recently listened to part one of your Breath of the Wild discussion, and I feel you all are being just a little too hard on old Rome. I feel Rome did what he thought was best in preparing Zelda for the coming war, given the circumstances. While Rome is a father, he is also, and more importantly, a ruler of thousands of people who look to him and the rest of the royal family to protect them. He pushed Zelda as hard as he did, not because he wanted to, but because the kingdom and all its citizens were depending on her power to stop the calamity. I know you all like to take pot shots on the various patriarchies of the series, but honestly, the person behind Zelda's failures, besides herself, is the queen and, for that matter, the rest of the previous matriarchal line. Are we to honestly believe that this one family who houses this great power and keeps it so secret that no one else is aware, and that if lost and not passed on will spell doom for the entire world, didn't have a backup plan? No plan B? Well, Zelda's mother didn't, and her and her foremother's short-sightedness doomed the entire world for a hundred years and caused an unknown number of casualties, as well as affecting the lives of the remaining survivors and their descendants. Was Rome's tough love, cruel-to-be-kind approach the best way to go about it? I don't really know. Rome definitely feels regrets for his actions after a hundred years wandering as a spirit, and as indicated in his journal. Sincerely, Rob Million. This is actually something that I brought up a little bit. Did we, th- when I asked you two if a hundred years spent in regret was enough to for us to go like, all right, Rome, get out of here, without like spitting on him? <laughs> now... I don't know that Rome really identifies the problem and expresses clear regret for it. It's more of like a vague, ah, uh, my mistakes, if only I had done better in a non-specific way. And point of fact, um, oh, you mean on the plateau? Yeah. Cam, you want to refer to the diary? Yes. Yeah, because I did actually take some screenshots of the diary as I was running around in Hyrule Castle a few days before this recording. Um, immediately after Zelda's mother dies, he reflects on how Zelda never cried even once. And that ends with this particular page. I must assume her strength is as a result of us repeatedly informing her of her duty to be a valiant and steady princess. Even in the diary, though, he... He regrets it to some degree, but not entirely. He resolves that he will act differently if she fails and comes back. Probably because what he's been doing has not been working. Um, no, I'm not going to forgive shitty fathers for feeling regretful in hindsight. The, the damage has been done. And with Rome, you know, if he did nothing, <laughs> if he did absolutely nothing, that would still have been better than, you know what his actions caused. They they emotionally crippled Zelda, which caused, you know, her to not awaken to her powers. Because it doesn't actually take Zelda that long to awaken to herself once she is uh, free of Rome. Once she starts traveling with Link, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So that suggests to me that it's not like there's a, a tome of knowledge that the queen had that needed to be written down somewhere. It's more like the queen needed to be a supportive mother. Yes. And yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I don't 
I don't necessarily think there was anything. There's no specific action that had to be done, and that could that Zelda's could pass down, um, other than grow as a person, you know, and I guess fall in love. I would definitely say that Zelda's awakening to her power had a lot more to do with self-actualization and waking up to who she could be rather than any esoteric knowledge that could have been passed down. It very similar to how I view the hero's spirit. Like she has to become someone worthy of herself first. And and also just that that's just his behavior to Zelda is just an abusive shitty dad. Regardless of his intentions. Yes. Lots of abusive parents tell themselves that they're doing right by their kids. Yes. It's it's fine that I make my kid practice piano for three hours every day. When they become a concert pianist, it'll be worth it. They will thank me. They never do. No. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> I want I want my kids to be a concert pianist. So I'm going to make them play Guitar Hero every day. <laughs> yeah. And if they, if, if they can't play the real piano, that just means they're not trying hard enough at Guitar Hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Crystal's really hitting it now. <laughs> no, it's like, it's almost like I'm going to make my child sit and listen to Chopin every day. And if they don't know how to play piano by the time they're 13, it's because... They like playing the guitar too much. Or they're at the piano playing, you know, non-classical music. Why are you playing on the piano with non-classical music? You should be playing Chopin. There's all that you're <laughs> almost 17 and you still haven't earned the platinum trophy in Eternal Sonata. <laughs> you're almost 17 and you still haven't gotten perfect on Through the Fire and the Flames on Expert. Oh. I think that's about <laughs> Rob, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're never going to stop shitting on Rome. This is the crisis you wanted to avoid. Like, if it is what I wanted to avoid, but by God, it's just what happens. It, we're not, like, you don't have to feel toward Rome the way that we do. Like, if Rome was a character in a book, the fact that he suffered for a hundred years after his death and watched his kingdom burn down and all that shit... And realize that he was wrong before he died. That's enough for me to go, whatever, brah, I guess you'll be better in the next life. And more than that, like, terrible people make oh. for interesting characters. Oh, Eternal Sonata was another Chopin joke. Good job. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but terrible characters, or characters who do terrible things, make for very interesting writing. Yeah. They also make for very good outlets for people to put their negative feelings into sometimes. We all shit on Rome because we all have opinions about people who are like Rome. And fuck Rome. <laughs> yeah, man, Carthage is where it's at. <laughs> fuck Rome. Oh, I see. You think that was intentional? You think Rome is a pun on Rome? No. I don't think so, but it could be. You never know. Like he's he's like he's like European kings. Like I don't know what's what's a European kingdom. Uh, Rome. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rome did marry into the house of Amaterasu, didn't he? Yeah. This goofy know nothing fuck over here. Fucking Rome. <laughs> Worst. Bad. Bad Rome. I'm sorry, Rob. We just started shitting on Rome again. I did want to avoid that, but also it was inevitable. 
Thank you for sending in the email, though, and for the level of effort that you put into it. Never apologize for how long your email is. Worst case scenario, we'll trim it down. Though after this episode, we ain't going to be trimming shit because this is the last time we're doing emails. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Your turn, Monica. Okay. This is from Whistle. Hello, Book of Medora. Oh, I like the title. Gotta break a few shika to make an omelet. It's Whistle, that guy who wrote out another email to you not even a month ago. Anywho, I had just had this terrible thought at 11 p.m., low blood sugar resolved, zoning out as I stare into my pantry. A literal gross amount of Sheikah essentially, essentially committed suicide to empower Link in Breath of the Wild. Like, every single dried monk you find self-mummified themselves for Link. So simply through existing in their future, Link has indirectly and unintentionally brought about the deaths of over a hundred people. And the goddess Hylia is complicit in this. Did these Shika monks really have to die to give out spirit orbs? Are you taking their souls? Is Hylia using these souls to craft your upgrades, or are they just a currency to higher powers? Come to think of it, the sealed demon in Hatano Village doesn't seem to distinguish what the difference is between a stamina and health upgrade, only that they like to charge more to put one or the other back. Maybe to them, the difference is arbitrary, useful for beguiling mortals, but not for extra spiritual affairs. But I digress. What are all your thoughts on the relative and objective moralities of Hylia, the Sheikah committing a mass suicide in her name, and the value of a soul in Breath of the Wild? From Whistle. P.S. Thanks again for the extra encouragement to write this, Cam. Also thanks to Monica and Crystal for undoubtedly using this postscript as some f- sort of fun poking ammo against you in the future. <laughs> I don't think you will. Oh. Alright, thanks, Whistle. Yes. Thank you, Whistle. I don't think that they're souls. I think that spirit orbs are basically dharma that they built up over the course of meditating for 10,000 years. And they're basically using their built-up enlightenment to pass on to Link so that he can use that enlightenment to become the hero that he no longer is. Link is kind of like the basilisk. What? You know, you know the basilisk? They kill by looking? No, 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 no. The, okay. Roko's basilisk? Yeah, no, uh, I, I think it's a different one. Or is it? I think you might be thinking of Roko's basilisk. Yeah, Roko's basilisk. Yeah, that's the one. What? Chris- okay, so Roko's basilisk is a religion. Ah. Uh, <laughs> what? Maybe you should explain it, Cameron. Roko's basilisk is a sort of thought experiment where it is theorized that some point in the future, a, an artificial being will be created that is able to interface with people and torture them infinitely. And it will do this to everyone who does not actively attempt to bring around the existence of this basilisk. Uh... That's it. That's the whole thing. Ergo, the only logical thing to do for this all-powerful time-traveling, I guess, thing is to try to bring around its existence. It's a thought experiment. Okay. Now, Crystal, why are you comparing Link to Roko's basilisk? Because Link is a person who will exist in the future, and the monks <laughs> need to sacrifice everything in order to make sure that not only is he brought about, but he has the tools he needs to do what he needs to do. Does that make Jesus Roko's basilisk? Because Jesus needs all of his followers to win at the end of everything. I, mm, no, I, because Logos, the word, existed at, at the beginning. 
No, but what I mean is, like, we're not even so much talking about a specific instance. We are talking about an event. The mm-hmm. existence of Roko's Basilisk is the event. Armageddon is the event. The return of Ganon is the event. Okay. I see. I guess you could say that. <laughs> I don't think that the spirit orbs are souls. They're Dharma. I, th- I think that they're basically Dharma, yeah. Are they related to uh, force gems or gratitude crystals? Yeah, Monica. Are they related to force gems or gratitude crystals? Um, no. Really? <laughs> Maybe. I That's know, not I was the answer I expected out of you. I was just pondering the thought. Like, firstly, the spirit orbs have Hylia's crest on them. That's true. And I'm thinking... <sighs> We have to. I, I want to check the the monks' speeches again. But the act of getting to a place or accomplishing the task inside of the shrine is pretty much what expands Link's soul or experience, so to speak. So to speak, it proves that he's worthy of the spirit orb. I was going to say it develops the spirit orb in him. No, it passes from the monk to Link I physically. Know. You see it happen every time. It's just them granting their stamp of approval. No, see, I think that the link that we see now is a broken vessel. Mm. And what they're doing is they are lending their own strength to rebuild the vessel. I mean, sure, they could be related to force gems and gratitude crystals, I guess, because the monks are grateful. And also it is some sort of intricate life thing to people. I think that Link as he is now could never become as he was before without other people's help. And that's what the monks are doing. They are absolutely giving of themselves. But no, they're not sacrificing what passes for a soul in the Zelda continuity. No. But they are absolutely giving their lives for him. But What's what's more intense is they interred themselves for 10,000 years. Yeah. Meditating. Yeah. That's a long time. It is. That's why they're so grateful. <laughs> oh, so you think they might be related to gratitude crystals and force gems? Yeah, so if you, if you, if you interned yourself alone for ten thousand years and you couldn't die until Link showed up, when Link finally showed up, you'd probably be pretty happy about it. Do you think oh. that there are any monks who failed to reach the level of enlightenment necessary to be personally mummified that they just died and crumbled to dust? No. Because each one of them has a shrine. Hmm. But Maybe there were more than 120. That's why you can't f- uh, fully max out your heart's <laughs> hand stamina. <laughs> what I thought of, um, Hylia has weaponized gratitude crystals. Oh. Do you ever notice that the spirit orbs are the same color as the smoke that comes off the malice? Yes. That probably doesn't mean anything, but color is always something that I pay a lot of attention to in these games. Cam, you interrupted my Hylia weaponizing. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I didn't want to pay that any more attention no. than I had to. Oh. Ugh. But they, they all had some sort of a simultaneous vision. Yes, they did. That's Through Hylia. Bad. Yeah. They see the world through Hylia's sight. Yes, Hylia is complicit in what happened. And yes, she is probably responsible for these 120 people sealing themselves away deep in the earth to await the coming of the broken hero. But that's not the same thing as murder, because all of this is something that was entered into voluntarily in order to stop Ganon. I always felt bad when those seven monks at the end of the Trial of the Sword disappear, because that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, what about the last monk? You can refight him? 
Can you refine? You can as many times as you like. He doesn't dissolve at the end. No, he's still pretty spry, actually. What happens at the end of that fight? He's like, "Good job, see ya," and he like teleports out. But well, he teleports. But you can still find him again. Yeah, he can't go. No, he's there to fight. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if Maz Koshia was still around in the sequel to Breath of the Wild? That'd be pretty cool. For our listeners, Maz Koshia is the final boss of the Champions Ballad DLC package for Breath of the Wild. It's sick. Great theme. It's your turn. I didn't prepare for Ganondorf. <laughs> or did they? I don't know. I guess we'll, maybe they couldn't prepare for Ganondorf for whatever reason. Like, maybe that's just not something that the Sheikah were capable of, that they've ever been capable of. Maybe that's why Maz Koshia is still around. Oh. Do you think Ganondorf, do you think it'll do a Metroid where, like, Ganondorf sucks out all your spirit orbs to hydrate himself? <laughs> you know, that's very possible, actually. How you get more spirit orbs. I think it's more likely that it'll just be like Majora's Mask, where they just don't bother to explain it to you. Well, the Majora's Mask, you are but a child. Sure, I guess. You can sort of hand wave it in that one. But okay, from Wind Waker to Phantom Hourglass then. Yeah. They don't have to explain it. Though if they did, they could simply set up a new series of trials for Link and or like for the player to undergo. The next 120 monks. Oh, I mean, it could also be a Zonai thing. Hmm. I think it's your turn to pick, Crystal. Okay. Brendan writes in, Hang on, this is a bit of a long one. I wanted to start off by defending Sheik the Sheikah a bit. Have you ever heard of Hugh the Human? Percy the Person? Guy the Guy? It's not a very creative name, but this lazy naming method isn't unheard of. Now onto the fun stuff starting with Breath of the Wild. What if the eighth heroine wasn't removed from the others in shame or punishment? The large canyon leading up to the eighth is near the fringe of the Gerudo territory. What if there was a large-scale attack that was pushed back at that spot? As a deterrent to future invasions, the greatest of the eight heroines, a female version of Link, of course, was moved to that very spot. It would stand there for all time as a warning to the enemies of the Gerudo. The sword was broken off during the move and couldn't be repaired. Over the millennia, the true reason behind the movement was lost. The second one is a bit darker and has to do with Majora's Mask. What if there wasn't just four guardian giants? What if there was another one, an elder guardian that was larger than the others? What if Skull Kid imprisoned the four Link freed, but killed the fifth? If he put some arms and legs on the moon, it would look a lot like the giants, basically just heads with limbs. I theorize the Skull Kid killed the elder giant. As the ultimate act of revenge on those that abandoned him, he planned to kill everyone with the possessed skull of the Elder Guardian of All. That would also explain why the inside of the moon is so calm and serene. I told you this one would be darker. Anywho, thank you for all you do, and please keep the great content coming. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks. We'll keep it coming for at least another episode and a half. Okay, but the roots of Hugh and the human, they're not the same. Same with Percy, the person. Don't do this. About Guy. Guy? Mm. Mm, that one's hard. That one's hard. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't know the... I don't know the... Etymology. Etymology of the name Guy, or even the word Guy. There are a few names that are indicative of the country of origin of the person, ostensibly. Yeah, but it's this. It, it's a little bit different, because 
some guy named Guy got named Guy, assumedly uh, with the participation of another guy. Um, but ain't no actual Sheikah named Sheik Sheik the Sheikah. Cam says until we run into Sheik the Sheikah. <laughs> we ran into Sheik the Sheikah in Ocarina of Time and Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. No more Sheik. <laughs> Sheik the Sheikah. Okay, guy guy is derived from Guy Fox because it just meant guy. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's it's saying that you're a traitor who might try to blow up parliament. A troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So it's the other way around. It's it comes from the name. Huh. Thank you for looking. Also known as Guido Fox when he fought for the Spanish. Huh. That's interesting. Thank you for looking that up, Crystal. I do like the idea of the eighth heroine being separate as like a protective gesture. Somebody was pissed at that fucking thing, though. Somebody did a big dig in the canyon right in front of it. You don't think that it was carved out? It could have been carved out when it was slammed into fucking place. It feels like Ganon did it to me, but like I, I bring certain storytelling biases into all these conversations. I, I find it hard to believe that they can move the entire statue without moving the sword that they might have oopsied while moving. Yeah. That was one too many movings. The moon thing's fucking grotesque. It does kind of look like the giants. What do you think, Crystal? Hmm. I mean, all, all the references in Termina are to four. There's always four things. There's four mm. regions. Plus, well, there's plus Clock Town. It's four directions of the compass. Four giants. Four giants in the old stories. Four temples. Also, the giants don't have mouths. Oh. Oh? Don't they? Nope. They just have faces. No mouth. So but, probably not. But it is delightfully grotesque, this scenario you came up with. So thanks for that, Brendan. Whose turn is it? Mine. Okay. I'm going to read Whistle's other email. Hello, Book of Medora podcast. Something that always fascinates me in fiction is the idea of intelligent, sapient, especially reptilian, species that are only somewhat anthropomorphized to lend unique culture and visual ideas. Anywho, more on topic is my love of the Lizalfos, and how, despite ostensibly being monsters, they are given both textual and implicit signs of intelligence and sapience on par with the other civilized races of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild. To list a few examples. 1. The Lizalfos have entered the Steel Age, manufacturing their own steel weapons and shields instead of merely scavenging old Hyrulean artifacts or cobbling together wood and bone implements. 2. A Zora monument explicitly says that the Lazalfos had not just a powerful general leading competent military, but an entire kingdom that rivaled the Zoras. I actually don't remember the mention of a Lazalfos kingdom, though I do remember the general. Yeah, if there's a general. That could have just been one of Ganon's generals. I'm getting back to the reading now. 3. While the Lizalfos cannot see through Kilton's special disguise, they w- the way they try to interact with you with adorable bleps and body language implies they are a very social species. 4. Most spawned Lizalfos keep further away from Hylian settlements and roots, deeming it less necessary to harass Hylians despite Ganon's influence, and instead only congregating to harass Zora routes, which, as previously established, are their historic enemies, meaning perhaps intelligent enough to hold a multi-generational grudge. This is very much generally true, though I do want to point out that um, Lizalfos have also taken over uh, Akala, and what's the name of the region where the Spring of Courage is? Jungle. The jungle <laughs> region, yeah. Five. Uh, this is a bit tangential. 
But despite being textually stated as carnivorous, fish and insect diet, there are instances of Lizalfos in the Faron region dancing excitedly about piles of hardy durians, implying not only omnivorous biology, but some awareness of the fruit's properties. Rambling aside, what do you think what do you all think of the Lizalfos becoming an interactable race in future games, like how the Zora went from creature from the Black Lagoon enemies to sexy fishmen and fishwomen? Or if not the Lizalfos, what about the other semi-humanoid enemy races? I personally would be overjoyed to see tribes of Lizalfos becoming allies and having a less violent, but still standing, rivalry with the Zoras. With much excitement, just about to start episode twenty of your podcast, Whistle. Oh, Whistle's a ways back there. Thank you, Whistle. What do we think of the Lizalfos? I would be very interested if the Lizalfos became people. I was always disturbed by the level of uh, weaponry that Lizalfos had. Well, I mean, Lionels have the same thing. And I mean, like, from dating back to Ocarina of Time. Oh, yes. They're smart. Yeah. No, they got they got metal weapons. Yeah. They're, they're probably intelligent. Yeah. Sapient. Sure. I think that most of Ganon's servants are sapient. The thing about them in Breath of the Wild is that they're very much established as being creatures of Ganon. They do poof. We would need, like, Nintendo could do it, and they could do it whenever they wanted to, but we would need a retcon. It's not just the poofing, it's the being brought back by the blood moon. Yeah, the poofing and the de-poofing. Yeah. Um, what about the, the lizards on the island in the Oracle games? Oh, oh yeah, what was, what was their name? The toke. The toke. Are they kind of like Lizalfos? Yes. They're lizards. Whistle, you should totally play the Oracle games. There's talking lizard folk. Also, let us know if they are sort of Lizalfos or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. What's the connection? Well, I mean, letting us know doesn't mean anything because the show's about to end. Yeah, but we'll read it. Yeah, we will read it. Yeah, contact us on Twitter. <laughs> not Monica. She doesn't have Twitter. It's true. They are very social. What if they made a game where the Moblins and the Lizalfos and the Stalfos and the Octoroks were people and the Gorons and the Zora and the Sheikah and the Rito and the Gerudo were the enemies? It'd be Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> Okay. <laughs> done and done. Monica dusts off her hands and walks away satisfied for the job well done. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. We're almost there, y'all. Woo! Justin asks... No, Justin states... Looking at the teaser for the new Zelda makes me wonder, was Breath of the Wild just Act 1 or will this game be a prequel? I guess that's sort of a question, sorry. <laughs> asks... Uh, looks like it's definitely a sequel to me. I think it was a prequel, though. <laughs> That'd be pretty tight. Like, this is the war of 10,000 years ago, and that's why Zelda's hair is short. That's what I thought mm -hmm. when I watched the trailer for the first time. I thought it was a different Link and Zelda, like, the, from 10,000 years back. Not through the entire thing I, I pieced it together, but the first initial few seconds while I was in shock. I mean, it could be. There's space for that to be the case, but it doesn't feel like it. Um... Also, to be clear, Breath of the Wild was Act 3 <laughs> of that story, but it was Act 3 of the second movie in the trilogy, and I guess we're getting the third movie in the trilogy now. No, if it was this, the end of 
the second movie, it would be inconclusive. It is. It's only made inconclusive by this game, though. But there should always be, like in Empire Strikes Back, a very strong feeling in- Well, there was, because the first movie happened, we just didn't see it. Yes. But I mean to say, a strong feeling that something big still has to be done, which- Definitely is the impression from the second uh, from the trailer for the second game. That's true for Western storytelling, especially the Greek storytelling school. But I don't know that that necessarily has to be true for all storytelling. I was just going with Star Wars. It doesn't have to be Star Wars. Okay, Crystal, mm. are you running out of steam, Crystal? No, I'm just thinking. What if it was a prequel, though? How would that work? It, I I can only assume that this would actually be the War of Ten Thousand Years Ago. It'd be like Valley of the Deluge. Yes, basically. you We get above ground and we see Hyrule as it was at the height of its technical powers. Ah, we did get that wide shot, though. Yeah, we did get that wide shot. It does. It's a sequel. It, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably a sequel. It's very much that Hyrule. It's your turn, Crystal. Okay. <laughs> uh, this one comes in from Dale. Hello, Book of Mogadora crew. I believe that the reason the castle is where it is in Breath of the Wild is because in order to maintain the seal, queens slash princesses had to use their power. In order to accomplish this to the best of their ability, the royal family moved their castle to the center of the field, above the tomb where Ganondorf was sealed. The tunnel system we see in the trailer is underneath the castle, ultimately leading to where the failing seals are still trying to control Ganondorf. If there was secret access to this place that only the Queen Princess knew about, they could go alone to lend their power to the seals without betraying the knowledge to the people or the kings, and having those with the power close by in case something happened would lead to minimal casualties. This would also explain why there are no castle ruins on the Great Plateau, despite there being a Temple of Time still standing, and the ruins of Castle Town from Ocarina of Time. After the Hundred Years' Battle, Zelda thinks she finally seals away the Great Evil, and loses the connection with her power. I'm going to say from both exhaustion and only having the desperation that fueled that connection 100 years ago. Because of the combined lack of Zelda's knowledge due to her mother's passing, and her inability to connect with her power, the seal that is holding Ganondorf down is running on whatever residual power it has left from the ancient Zonai and Gerudo. Thus, Ganondorf is able to break free entirely, rather than use the ma malice to do his work above ground. Sorry, this was a very long explanation for something that's pretty simple. I love the podcast, love the theories, really excited for your official take on the timeline, and hopefully about the 15-part series on Breath of the Wild 2. Dale. Postscript. Coming from someone who played Twilight Princess as their first Zelda game, it's one of my faves. My sole defense in this email is that despite all the manliness, being a wolf and being able to wrestle Gorons and fight shadow beasts makes you feel real cool. Twilight Princess is one of the coolest games in the series. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. I mean, yeah. to be clear, Twilight Princess is cool, and it's also very good. Yeah, we don't disagree on that. Like, we generally agree that it's our least favorite collectively of the 3D Zeldas, but it's still a really, really good game. Like, best, worst of the 3D Zeldas is a high bar to clear. One of the best games ever made. One, one of the best games ever made. Zelda is really going to blame herself if her loss of power at the end of Breath of the Wild causes the other, the bigger bad to break out. Absolutely. 
I mean, she's going to blame herself no matter what. That sucks. I can only hope she blames herself no matter what because I need that shit. You need the drama. I need it. I need because if she's dealing with that over the course of the game, it means one, she didn't get tetrad, and two, maybe she has a real active role in the story. But I, I want her to go. It was for a hundred years. I'm tired. People get tired. You want her to be an adult. Yes, I want her to experience growth. I mean, she did. Hold on. This is what I want Zola to do. He skipped about uh, 35 seconds. No, I'm going to watch this whole the- thing. I've got to okay. watch the build up. Jesus. Noctis just did Zelda's move from the ending of Breath of the Wild. Huh. This is a video of Final Fantasy 15 in which Noctis does Zelda's move from the end of Breath of the Wild on a very big turtle monster and it gets squished into a single point and then disappears. It's just how Zelda kills Ganon. That's something you can do to enemies in gameplay in Final Fantasy XV, and I would like Zelda to do that in Breath of the Wild, too. <laughs> you want her to unlock the Triforce at some point, or do you want that to be something she does with Hylia's power? I want I want you to be able to play as Zelda and have that move in your arsenal. You don't care how it's powered, you just want to have it. Yeah, it's powered from the food she eats. Sure, okay, yeah, that stands to reason. Zelda's going to sleep for like a week. That's fair. That's fine. She's going to eat like a bunch of food. That's fair. That's fine. And she'll be fine. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Food in Hyrule, very nutritious. Also, Dale's probably right when she says that when we get back around to doing the Breath of the Wild 2 episodes, it may end up being the longest that we've had yet. Probably. Could be. Who knows? Breath of the Wild did end up shorter than multiple games in the series, just not on purpose. Which one is the longest? It was either Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess. Oh, it's Skyward Sword if it's between the two, I think. Yeah. Cool. It is a cool theory that you've thrown out here, Dale. Uh, I, like, I like the idea of the queen lifting the castle and plopping it on top of Ganon. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that is pretty cool, actually. So, and, and this... Theory, it, they lifted the castle from the plateau? Well, I mean, the the castle was already on top of the tomb where the calamity was sealed in the first place. We're not quite sure of where the body of the actual person, Ganon, is. But if it's beneath the castle, this seems just as reasonable. I imagine the Zonai did their spell with the hand to pin Ganon in place... And then Zelda just took the castle with her telepathy and smacked it on Ganon over and over and <laughs> over and over like a giant hammer on a very small nail. She was like, until he was underground. She was like, "This worked on demise. Why isn't it working on you?" Wham, 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 wham. Yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah, that works for me. I got one coming in from Jimmy, and they write. Hey, gang, writing this as I listen to episode 20 of Breath of the Wild. (laughs) Shit, that's pretty good. (laughs) Writing this as I listen to episode 20 of Breath of the Wild after binging the entire podcast in about a week. Goddamn, Jimmy, that's a lot of podcasts in a week. Wow. Before I start the question, I want to thank you guys for being a great listen, as well as being very nuanced about LGBT plus subjects and taking them as seriously as most heteronormative reads of The Legend of Zelda. 
As a queer person, it's great finding this podcast that talks about one of my favorite video game series, as well as not dismissing gay and trans readings of the text. I mostly want to comment on how the tastes of your gang seem to be completely opposite of mine. Jimmy, I think you're probably on board with a lot of folks in that regard. The Oracle games are some of my favorite Zelda games ever, because even if their timeline placement is a mess, they embody what I felt was a complete package of a Zelda game. Large worlds you can explore, interesting and engaging puzzles, mechanics, and dungeons. Nice, but not in the way story, and just some of the most satisfying gameplay I've experienced. In contrast, I look towards Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks with less generosity. There always felt something off about the art style, especially in the dungeons, which I never felt with Wind Waker. And the mechanics, while innovative, often felt frustrating to use or obtuse. I hated the Ocean King's Temple, having to go through it multiple times in unfun stealth sequences, and I hated riding the train, as it felt more limiting than sailing, and often made me feel locked into detours I'm forced to take because of enemies. While I did have fun playing those games, they were disappointments. It's kind of funny how our opinions on these games seem very different, and I was wondering if you have any game, Zelda or not, that you love but is widely disliked. Why did you fall in love with those games? Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. P.S. I used to defend Twilight Princess because I thought people gave it too much flack for being the gritty, realistic Zelda, but now know I should be giving it flack because the nostalgia glasses of middle school blinded me from the strange themes of masculinity prominent throughout it. Well, I mean, Jimmy, you're still allowed to like Twilight Princess. I mean, <laughs> we, we like Breath of the Wild in, st- in spite of its weird, misogynistic, inclusive of trans-misogynistic horseshit. Like, that's, you know... But coming back to a game and or, or any sort of work, older is uh, quite a feeling. Do we have any game, Zelda or not, that we love but are widely disliked? And I'm just going to put this out there. We should not include Skyward Sword or the DS Zelda games in this discussion. Because as maligned as they are, everyone knows that we have those. Yes, true. Okay. You got any, Crystal? Dragon Age 2, although I don't like it as much as some other people. Inquisition's better. People have turned around on Inquisition a little bit in the past few years. That might qualify now. No, people still <laughs> like Inquisition. But it's yeah. That's the game they've made. The best Bioware game. Wow. Yeah. You still think that Mass Effect 3 is the best Mass Effect, though, right? Yes, of course. The period from Mass Effect to Mass Effect to Dragon Age Inquisition was one where every Byra game was better than the previous one. Wow. And then after that, it stopped. <laughs> I, yeah, I like Andromeda. Yeah, but it's not better than Inquisition or Mass no, Effect 3. certainly not. Right. I mean to say that the pattern stopped. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know what games I like that are unpopular. Um, I don't know. Like you, re- When you were a kid, you really enjoyed Princess Maker. I don't know if that's popular or not. But there, it's not widely disliked. True. Um, Otomo games in general aren't wild known enough in the West to be widely disliked. It's not really an Otome game. Oh, okay. I don't know. I never played it. It's made it. by Gynax. Oh, that's... <laughs> You've oh. never played Princess Maker, have you? No. Okay, well. Oh, wait a minute. You're. Re- oh, yeah, I am remembering now. Yeah, okay. Some things about that game are suddenly making a lot more sense now that you say it was made by Gynax. <laughs> um, where was I? I guess Final Fantasy XII, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, often maligned. I often don't know maligned. if it would 
be called widely disliked anymore. Like, people cooled off on it after about five years, and cooler heads ended up prevailing. It's generally considered pretty decent. Good. Fantastic story. Final Fantasy VIII, though. I do like Final Fantasy VIII, but I will acknowledge the story is not great. I do not subscribe to the Renoise Ultimisha. You don't have to. It's just true. Okay, Cameron. But Final Fantasy VIII to you is equivalent to Dragon Age II to Crystal, in that it's not your favorite in the series, but you have the highest affection for it relative to how most people feel about it. Mm. Do people like KOTOR 2? I think there's definitely a devoted fan base. Yeah, yeah. But everybody I've talked to, like, in real life, they don't like KOTOR 2. It just doesn't treat Star Wars as being cool enough. Why does it try to deconstruct things about the Jedi? Why can't you just take it all at face value? Yeah. Mm. Star Wars fans. That that wasn't a direct quote from someone I talked to. Yeah. I think that's about it. I only like good video games. <laughs> Would you like to know the most hated video games according to the top10s.com slash hated dash video dash games? Sure. Please. Uh, this goes to 82. I'll just I'll just read the top like 15. Sure. Number one, Fortnite. Oh. Uh, Number two, Superman 64. Okay. <laughs> Bubsy 3D, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. All of these are make... Okay, I'm assuming that's Sonic 06. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Fortnite being at the top is weird <laughs> with these others coming after it. Cuphead. The fuck off? What? <laughs> <laughs> Zelda the Wand of Camelon, Flappy Bird, Halo 4... No Man's Sky, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Mighty Number no. 9, Big Rigs Over the Road Racing, WCW Backstage Assault, Terraria, Minecraft, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Angry Birds, and Star Wars Masters of Terras Kasi. Wow, Battlefront 2 outranked Masters of Terras Kasi. That's a very eclectic list. That is an eclectic list. I like how it's balanced between like genuinely bad games and then like people who have a bone to pick with maybe their partners playing a little too much of the game. Oh, I would have just said haters. Uh, Or haters, yes. Uh, I agree with this one. This game doesn't give freedom while Minecraft has so much to offer. It's just the stupidest game on the planet. The only thing you do is get a gun and kill someone. This game is too overrated, and basically my school always talks about it. This game is an absolute (laughs) waste of time. Fortnite is a ripoff of Minecraft. Minecraft is one of the best-selling games in history with the freedom to bring almost anything, go on adventures, and much more. Fortnite is just the absolute worst ripoff I've ever seen. Crystal, why are you blasting this (laughs) eight-year-old? It's... I, I'm just amused by this. I, we, I'm also deeply amused because by this. Because I was this person when I was eight, but it was about, you know, other games. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we were all that person when we first connected to the internet. The kids are, are still just like us. They're still trying to work things out, how they feel about stuff. How they feel about their their parents not buying them that can, something that can play Fortnite. Back off, you stupid Sonic ripoff, referring to Bubsy 3D. Oh, I think calling Bubsy 3D a Sonic ripoff is very generous towards Bubsy. Um, there are games that I really love that would be widely disliked if more people played them. Like? Like Ogre Battle 64. Mm, if like. a million people played that game, 750,000 of them would hate it. But the audience for it really seriously self-selected. Like Wonderful 101. People don't talk shit about Wonderful 101. 
Oh, they do, Cameron. Oh, oh no. That's the best game Platinum's put out. Number 57, Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo. Who wants to play a stupid kitty game? Putt-Putt sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Kitty game. Oh, kitty game. More like Zelda. I'm... I'm gonna takes say, me back. I'm going to say Wonderful 101 is my game on that list then because I think that it's the best character action game ever made. Full stop. And they should bring it to the Switch and fix the tank. The tank parts. We have one last question or email. Who gets it? Is it me? No, I think it's either Crystal or me. Okay. And it's Crystal's call. Are you reading I more things, Crystal? Huh? Are you reading more things, Crystal? I was reading the list, but that's fine. You can give us one more. Give us a good one. Okay. Okay. Let me see. Uh, bring it back up. Um, Is any Zelda game on there? Oh, you said Wand of Gamelon. Yeah, Wand of Gamelon's on there. Uh, number forty-one, Overwatch. The reasoning is porn. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that's a downside. Well, I mean, yeah, if you don't like porn. Number twenty-nine, FIFA fourteen. So stupid. <laughs> FIFA 14. All right, fair. Number 25, World of Warcraft. Everyone loves World of Warcraft. There is even a South Park episode just about this game. That's true. Uh, uh, Everything that that complaint said is true. I love the people who are like, I wish my school would stop talking about this game. Like, that speaks to a part of me that I buried 20 years ago and thought was dead, but apparently is still very much alive. Because I was the school. Emails. Last email. Don't think that I've forgotten when you turned to me in the lineup to go back into class at recess and said, please tell me you're not playing that god-awful Pokemon, Jared. Was her name actually Jared? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Who shall read the last email? The last submission. What are you laughing about, Crystal? I think it should be Cameron. Uh, Is that what you were laughing about? No, I just, it's, I'm just, I'm reading more things. We'll need to. If they're really funny, share them. Uh, number six, Cuphead. Uh, oh, shut up. It's all because the Cuphead fans are everywhere on the internet. They make porn, toxic view on YouTube, random crossover, and they can't stop talking about them. Cuphead and Batsim ruins old cartoon. What? <laughs> Perfect. Hmm? This email comes in from Deadweight. And the tagline here is, The spirit of demise still exists within the blade. Monica has cut out a considerable amount of this, but it's still pretty chunky. I would like to start with a particular quote from Impa at the end of Skyward Sword. The last remnants of demise are decaying slowly within the sword. Someone must stay behind to watch over the blade. His spirit must not reawaken. He must never be allowed to threaten the world again. So we know that Demise is not gone, simply decaying slowly. I put emphasis on slowly, because what does that even mean for a literal timeless being? It's very uncertain. And we know that Phi feels the need to be placed into the pedestal. We also know that Impa feels the need to ensure that the blade is undisturbed. Finally, we know that Hylia previously sealed herself in order to hold Demise as the imprisoned at bay. The pedestal is itself a seal. The sword and pedestal act like a lock and key. The two working in tandem can hold Demise truly at bay. So where does Link causing problems come into play? Let's jump forward to the Ocarina of Time. Link pulls the Master Sword from the pedestal of time, breaking the ancient seal holding Demise's decaying consciousness at bay. 
and that consciousness finds the nearest being of evil heart, Ganondorf. He essentially becomes infused with the power of Demise that lay dormant within the sword, tying Ganondorf the man with Demise the demon, creating the creature known as Ganon. Later on in the timeline, Ganondorf exists in the world of the Great Sea in the Wind Waker era. The King of Red Lions mentions that he is unsure how Ganon escaped from the sunken Hyrule, as his power was sealed with the Master Sword. Here's the thing. With the Master Sword sealed, Ganon no longer exists. The essence, consciousness, saltiness of Demise is again sealed within the blade placed in the pedestal, so Ganondorf the Man is able to escape. Recall when Ganondorf states the following. Foolish child, while that sword is indeed the blade of evil's bane, at the same time, it has long played another role. You see, it is also a sort of key. A most wretched little key that has kept the seal on me and my magic intact. By withdrawing the blade, you have broken that seal. Whether he is aware of it or not, the magic that he is referring to is Demise, and by breaking the seal, you allow the essence of Demise to return to Ganondorf, empowering him once again. So that's my thoughts on this. I admit that there are holes in this theory, but I'd love to hear your collective take on this. Deadweight. Thank you, Deadweight. Thank you. Thank you. Crystal, what's your take? This is a very interesting theory. It is similar to the idea that uh, Demise's curse was sealed into the Dark Tridents. Now, obviously, this conflicts with the accursed timeline because Demise is extremely dead yeah. in the imprisoned timeline. And all, oh, that's right, because the imprisoned timeline is when Ocarina of Time happens. He's also extremely dead in the accursed timeline. Like, we, we read Demise's soul as having been basically entirely obliterated by the time Link, Zelda, and Groose emerged back into the present in the end of Skyward Sword. The issue I have with this theory is that the constant pop-in and pop-out of... The sword? <laughs> and, and Demise, like... I, I, it doesn't work with the game and Ganondorf's powers. You're asking, how did Demise leave Ganondorf in the ending of Ocarina and the beginning of the backstory of Wind Waker? Right. The and factoring in Link to the Past? There's a lot going on. Yeah. In which the sword is there, but there's Ganon. It's a cool idea, but it kind of seems like it relies... On the heroes not really knowing how to kill Demise, when Hylia seems like she knew how to kill Demise. Yes. And that's the basis, uh, like, that's the real root of Monica's problem with this theory. It's no. A, it's a pretty cool theory. It doesn't work with our idea of canon, I don't think. I do like the idea. Wait, no. No, I hate the idea of Demise sticking around. What yeah, the I was fuck gonna am say, I saying? This is like everything that you hate. So that's I'm, an okay theory. I'm clearly biased against it in the first <laughs> place. But as Demise theories go... It's pretty good. It's pretty good demise theory. What about you, Crystal? Is is a quality demise theory. Not good demise. Crystal, we've reached the end of our last email. Period. We have cleared the email queue. We've, Ta-da! We've done it all. There's no more to be had. What else remains aside from the timeline? That's it. That's the one. Fantastic. Four. Two. Rise of the Silver Surfer. Can that be the joke? I don't know if I can deal with another one of that quality. <laughs> Hold on. I, oh, this is a good website to find the joke, actually, oh, honestly. Crystal, where can I find you online? Oh, you can find me on Arcane Crystal and patreon.com slash Arcane Crystal where you can listen to the podcast early. 
listen to the podcast early. Yeah, you get a few bucks. You can uh, listen to the podcast early when they come as soon as the editing is done, rather than on its scheduled release day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you on Twitter? You mentioned that, didn't you? Yeah, I'm on Ar- at Arcane Crystal on Twitter. Yeah, find Arcane Crystal on Twitter. You can also find me on Twitter at Cam Writer. What what website are you on looking for a joke? Uh, the top tens dot com. Listen to <laughs> the top ten most overrated. Legend of Zelda games. Uh, t- ten of them? That's fully half the games. Uh, Ocarina of Breath of the Wild, Link Between Worlds, Phantom Hourglass number four. That's I'm sorry? That's that's flattering. Is Wind Waker there? A lot of people do rank that above Spirit Tracks. That's wrong, though. Uh, Link's Adventure number seven. Wow. And four Swords Adventure number eight. Triforce Heroes ten. Wow. Huh. I guess they're saying that some of these games on the list are just bad. Zelda 86 is the least overrated. Yeah, okay, I could see that. But that's me, the big Zelda 86 liker. I don't know, there's no jokes. The joke is, we are done. You want jokes? Go to the circus. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You want jokes? Stay tuned for our next podcast series. I don't know where I was going with this. I don't either. Okay, um... First person to think of a Zelda joke wins the podcast, like all of it. We would just win the whole podcast. Yes, the whole podcast. But it has to be decent, right? At least a groaner. Okay. Minimum groaner. Best rappers of all time, number one, Eminem. That's not fair, Crystal. That's not a Zelda joke. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. This sounds like a fascinating website. God, that sounds like a website from 1997. Like, I don't know if you were on the internet at the time or, you know, born, but like... I was four. <laughs> 1997 was a wild fucking time to be on the internet. I remember one of the websites that I used to go on to when I was around that age was the N64 Nation, and it also had a lot of top 10 sites. And it was just like a fan page for Nintendo games that was made by one person. I remember it had top 10 Nintendo villains... Or top 10 video game villains it was. I remember that the top three was... Number three was Sephiroth. Number two was Ganon. And number one was Bowser. Dr. Wily was also on there somewhere. Greatest anime of all time. Number one, Death Note. God damn. Everyone's mad that uh, Cowboy Bebop's at number 12. That's about where it belongs. Oh, are you going to drop some hot anime takes? Here's my, you know, here's my hot take. Here's Cowboy Bebop. Fantastic animation. Fantastic music. Writing? Not too hot. Not super hot. That's a pretty hot take. I'm glad that we're dropping this at the end of the podcast so we don't have to read any anime emails about your take on Cowboy Bebop. By the way, uh, if you're hearing this, this, when I said that was the last of the emails, I meant it. We won't be reading anymore on the podcast because the podcast is ending. Though if you send them in to us, we will, of course, read them for ourselves. Just all the jokes on the internet. <laughs> Monica, have you thought of anything? No. Oh, okay. So, um, if the shield-eating enemies enjoy a particular post on Twitter, is that a like-like-like? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or is it a like-like favorite? It might be a fave now. Okay. 
on on Facebook then. So if if you take a screenshot of all the different forms that you can transform into in Oracle games and you post it to Twitter and it's faved by the shield eating enemy, is that a like 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 of link link? Yes. <sighs> okay. I guess you win the entire pot. I got a groan. I got a groan out of crystal. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that before. Yay. No, I'm sorry. It's a link, link, like, like, like. We'll need to think of an actual joke for the last But episode. there's also the link, like, in there. So it's a like, like, link, like, link, link, like, like, like. Okay. I can keep going. No, no, no. Think of a legitimate ha-ha joke. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> for That wasn't enough? No, no. For the final, for the final timeline episode. Oh, okay. you're giving us a while to workshop this. Yes. But Monica, we're terrible at doing things ahead of time, as every single joke segment of this podcast has proven. Is it up to me? No. No. <laughs> you don't want to hear my jokes. They're not good. No, absolutely not. I. Oh, here's a good list on this website. The top 10 credit repair companies. Run. What? <laughs> Right next to the best anime and the top ten worst presidents. What? Okay, I want to hear the top five worst presidents. Uh, in order, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, James Buchanan, Donald Trump, and Richard Nixon. Man, Andrew Jackson didn't make his ass into the top five. He's down here somewhere. He's eight. <laughs> God damn. Okay, bye. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs>